Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship. We continue our Lenten series on the weekends talking about trees, and we are living in the shade of the tree. Well, last week, Pastor Dan talked about the two trees in the Garden of Eden. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they weren't supposed to be around or touch, okay? And then there was the tree of life, and the tree of life was a symbol of God's perfection that they enjoyed, that they were without sin, that they would live forever. Well, we know what happened. Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and they yielded. They ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to, and as a result, the Bible said that they died. They were kicked out of the garden, and no longer did they have access then to the tree of life. And yet, what did God do? We know the rest of the story, that he promised that one day he would send someone who would crush the head of the serpent of Satan and defeat him and even sin and death. And it happened on another tree, the tree of the cross of Calvary. And that's where Jesus won salvation for us. So that now, as we live out our lives, one day we will partake of the tree of life. And that's talked about in Revelation. One day we look forward to being once again in perfect, at perfect peace with God and with one another. Until that time, we experience other trees, the Bible says. And one of those trees is the tree that we come to today in Psalm 1, the tree that is planted by the streams of water, the tree that is green, not because of the luck of the Irish, okay, <laughs> but because of God's e- eternal and forever grace that we are planted by that grace so that we are thriving and growing. Well, Psalm 1 has always been very special to us as God's people. It was chosen for the first psalm for a reason. It kind of gives a blueprint of a life of blessing. It says, blessed is the person. That's how it starts out. And the Hebrew word for blessing is plural here. It can mean, oh, the manifold blessings or the blessedness that God's people have. And then uh, there's a dichotomy there between those who are experiencing the blessings of a righteous relationship with God and those that are called the wicked. Those who are right with God, those who are wrong with God. Those who are the saints and those who are the ain'ts, okay? So let's kind of go through that. First of all, uh, the psalmist talks about the negative and said, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Did you notice the three positions? We've got walking and then standing and finally sitting. And they become progressively more and more kind of set in a negative way. The first one says, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And it begs the question for us, where do we get our walking orders, our marching orders? Who gives us counsel? Where do we get our direction in life? And the problem with getting direction from the world, I find, is that the world will always say, you need to take care of yourself. You need to be number one. You need to be the center of your universe. And it's all about me. And that goes so contrary to what God and his ways are like. And that's why the Lord says, don't walk that way. It's the wrong way. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. The second phrase says, or stand in the way of sinners. Standing. It's not quite walking. It's 
more stationary in one place. I, I like the way one translation put it this way. It said, Oh, the joys of those who don't stand around with sinners. And it begs the question, who are you standing around with? Who are you spending your time with? You know, it's not that we as Christians don't rub shoulders with the world. It's not that we, we don't hang out with only Christians. But those who we spend the most time with are oftentimes those who we become like. Your parents were probably like mine growing up, and they were concerned about who my friends were and who I was spending the most time with. There was one boy in our neighborhood that was older than me, and my parents were a little bit leery of me spending time with him, but I thought it was really cool that an older guy wanted to hang out, okay? So one day he came to the house and said, Luther, let's, let's ride our bikes around the neighborhood. So we did, and uh, we, we, we went by this house that was vacant. I think it was for sale, I'm not quite sure. No one was living there. And he said, let's stop here. And so we walked around the back of the house, and they had a shed in the back with some windows. And there happened to be a rock pile there. And he says, oh, let's, let's practice uh, our, our aim, okay, for throwing rocks. He says, no one's going to see us. No one lives here. It doesn't matter anyway. So he took up the first rock, and, uh, of course, he missed, okay? And it was my turn. Well, I hit it, okay? I smashed it to pieces. And I started feeling bad about that. When I got home, I told my mom, and she said, see, that's why I didn't want you to, to hang out with that guy. It's, he, he pulls you down and do things that you're not, you, you know you shouldn't do. And so, in a way, that's what the psalmist is saying. He says, the, per, the person is blessed who doesn't, right, who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Hopefully, our best friends and confidence, confidants are those who share our Christian faith. Their values reflect the values that you have from God's Word. Thirdly, then, the person who is blessed does not sit in the seat of mockers. Now, again, notice the downward progression. First, we're walking, then we're standing, now we're sitting. Sitting in the seat of mocker. A mocker is someone who ridicules God and His way. This person, someone who ridicules God, takes pride in themselves and may even look down on the ways of the Lord or His people. And I believe that to some extent, many of the, of the institutions of our culture today can be in position to look down on our Christian faith. Our faith is not being supported in places like Hollywood very much, or in the media, or even in social media, and may be directly opposed to the blessed life that God has designed for us in union with our Savior and His Word. And so to sit down with that and to spend time with things that you know that are, not, that, are, that are contrary to our faith can be very dangerous. When I was in college and in the seminary studying for the ministry, I worked at a steel foundry in Milwaukee. And uh, it was a, a well-paying job, but it was a very difficult job. And um, some of the, the men in the department that I worked in gave me the nickname Preacher, okay? And uh, that has both positive and negative connotations, I know. Uh, but there were two guys that took it upon themselves to make my life miserable. And they did anything and everything they could to try to pull me down. And so when I would, would come in the morning, they would call me preacher, but they would have about four adjectives in front of that, if you know what I mean, okay? And they would always find ways to get me into trouble. 
And so when it came to hanging out at lunchtime, I wasn't going to go sit with them, okay? They were not going to be my best friends because they just pulled me down. Don't sit in the seat of mockers. And what's the result? The result, the psalmist says, is that people who walk, who stand, who sit in opposition to the Lord and His ways become like chaff that the wind blows away. You know what chaff is? It's the part of the wheat kernel that is useless. It's the part that is non-edible. It's the part that is thrown away. And oftentimes it was just thrown up in the air and it would be blown away. There's no stability with chaff. There's nothing good about it. And that's why the Lord says, that's not the way you want to be. That's, that, that, those are those numbered with the ain'ts, okay? But what about God's people, the saints? So he goes into the positive. Blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now here the word law in the narrow sense can refer to the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. But it can also refer to the, to, to the totality of God's teachings and instruction all of his word and for us as God's people that includes the New Testament as well and notice here the person that says delights in the law of the Lord delights in God's word I've always enjoyed how Martin Luther explained this principle in the third commandment in his explanation remember the third commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and he said we should fear and love God so that we don't despise preaching in his word but instead, hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. That's what it means to delight in the way of the Lord. I even caught one of the weather forecasters this morning before church. said, if you have to go out this morning, if you have to go to church, be prepared because there may be some snow showers. I think many of you experienced them on the way here, okay? But is your attendance here a have to? Or is it something that you want to do? Is it something that you delight in, that you find joy and comfort to be strengthened in the, in the way and in, in, the, in the word of our God? You know, that's the attitude that we have, that we delight in the law of the Lord. And then he goes on, he says, and on this law he meditates both day and night. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word meditate? You might be thinking of like transcendentalism or Buddhists saying a a mantra over and over again. Uh, Friends, when we meditate on Scripture, it's not that we're trying to to lose our minds, okay? We're not emptying our minds using a special code or mantra. Instead, when we meditate on Scriptures, we're filling our minds with the truth of what God is trying to say to us. In fact, Jesus says in our gospel lesson to some Jews who believed in him, he said, he said, if you continue in my word in John 8, 31, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so when we meditate on scripture, we are asking God to fill us with the truth. Uh, one of the interesting words that I read here for the Hebrew word uh, for meditate comes from a, a cow chewing its cud. And so when you chew on a section of scripture, what happens? Well, you might even commit it to memory, but you pray. You, you, you pray over it, say, Lord, teach me, lead me, show me what you want me to know as truth. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit can use that word like a laser beam. And what does the Holy Spirit do when you, when you, 
when you meditate on his word day and night, it means that when you look into the mirror of the law, it shows you where you've gone wrong and where you need to repent. And then like a healing laser, what does it do? It leads us to the healing grace of God in Jesus Christ. We call it the law and the gospel. And we meditate on it day and night. That means that even at night, when you're tossing and turning and thinking about other things, rather than thinking about all the bad stuff that can happen in your life, as you meditate on God's word, you remember the promises that he's always with you, that nothing's going to separate you from him. That's why we take delight in the law of the Lord and we meditate on it day and night. And what's the result, the psalmist says? The result, it says that that person is blessed and he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its due season, that it's, it prospers, its leaves are always green. It, that, that, that person is blessed abundantly. And that's directly opposed to the chaff that the wind drives away. The tree that, that, that is planted by the streams of water is living. You know, for trees to live, it takes water. Now, we don't experience that in our area. We got plenty of water. But if you go out west, for instance, like when we lived in Nebraska, someone was showing us around, and uh, uh, as, as we were looking around the area, so the guy says, hey, Vicar, you see that line of trees out there? I said, yeah. He says, why do you think they're there? I said, I don't know. He says, there's only one reason those trees are there. There's a stream there. There's a creek. Because otherwise, trees do not grow naturally here on the plains unless they're by water. Friends, you have been planted by the streams of water of God's grace. It was in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 4, where Jesus is talking to a woman at the well. And he offers her the water of everlasting life. Jesus is the living water. The living water that cleanses us at our baptism. The living water that nourishes us and it helps us to grow so that, so that our roots sink deep into the ground. So that we have proper nourishment in our lives through his word and through his sacrament. And so that we are blessed, we prosper, different from anyone else. I, I like the, the last line of, of the psalm. When it comes to the righteous, it says, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Friends, we need the Lord to watch over us, don't we? Especially with all the temptations and all the ways that we can walk in the wrong ways or stand with the wrong people or sit amongst the wrong ideas in our culture today. The Lord promises to watch over his people. And as he watches over us, he makes sure that we are those trees planted by the streams of water. And so, as I got done studying this psalm, I kind of asked myself this week, how do you know if you are blessed and you are the tree that's planted by the streams of water, or if you are more like the chaff that the wind blows away? How do you know if you're one of the righteous or if you are one of the wicked? How do you know if you're numbered among the saints or you are numbered among the ain'ts, okay? How do you know? Finally, you don't know unless the wind blows and until it blows. This spring or late winter that we've had so far, we've had some tremendous winds. I never heard this phrase, a Midwest cyclone before, but that's what we had last Thursday when we had 70 mile an hour winds. I lost seven trees in my yard, okay? 
But that's what happens when the wind blows. And yet when the wind blows, that's when our root system is, is tested, isn't it? And because we have been planted by the streams of God's grace, our roots go deep that when tragedy comes or when calamity hits us, when the wind is blowing so hard in our lives that we get scared, we know that our root system is there and God will hold us as one righteous, one who is blessed, one who has been planted by the streams of water. May that be true for you and me. Amen? Amen.